yeah, so this is Toasty Talks. And this is our fifth talk, and the topic is embracing self and embracing others. And our facilitator for today is Suki. Hi! I think everyone here knows me. <laughs> so, um, we'd actually posted a lead of Thandi uh, Newton's talk. I don't know if everyone had a chance to take a look at it. But uh, she basically, her whole talk basically speaks about herself. And so Thandi Newton is an actress. And uh, her whole issue is basically that she comes from this diverse background where one of her parents is black and one of her parents is white. And so she takes a long time to really understand what her true self and her true identity is. So during that time, she's really trying to figure out, you know, who she is mm -hmm. in that process because she can't really identify with like a certain self that exists within her. And so um, to further explore that she takes up acting as a career because she says that you know she she really feels more comfortable like plugging into another fully functioning self because she doesn't have her own fully functioning self which i thought was really interesting so we are going to start today's session by discussing what um we think is our perception of ourselves so how do you perceive yourself well, maybe we could try introducing ourselves first. Yeah, yes. so let's introduce ourselves <laughs> first. I'll go. Um, I'm Kathy, and I'm a senior in GD. Yeah, busy, <laughs> okay. I'm a junior in GD. Um, hi, I'm Felina. <laughs> I am a fourth year in the Brown Residual degree, so I'm kind of stuck in between junior and senior year, which is interesting in, this, mm. in the context of this conversation. Um, I'm from Ukraine. Um, I'm Sama, I'm in a fifth year in architecture, and I'm from Jordan. Um, I'm Amanda, I'm a senior in textiles, and I'm from New Hampshire. Um, I'm Brielle, I'm a junior in graphic design, and I'm also from New Hampshire. Cool. <laughs> I'm Scarlett, a uh, grad in GD, I'm from China. I'm Drea, and I'm halfway in between junior and senior in GD. I'm Chandra, I'm a senior in GD. I'm Kathy, I'm a senior in GD. I'm Maya, I'm a senior in GD. <laughs> and I'm from Providence. Really? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm Chloe, I'm a senior in GD, and I'm from Seattle. I'm Maya, other Maya, I'm also <laughs> a senior in GD, <laughs> and I'm from Massachusetts. I'm Sakeshi, and I'm a senior in GD, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from India. <laughs> okay, so starting today's discussion. Do you have anything to say? So, what is my, um... The whole idea of how do you perceive yourself? Um, a lot of what has to do with how I perceive myself is kind of what I leave behind and what I do, whether it's my work, um, or just how I influence other people. Um, and that's kind of how I f feel about everyone else, also. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I accidentally perceive myself. Like... I do stuff, and then as I'm reflecting on it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like a coherent person that did those things. <laughs> but I'm not like actively all the time wondering like, who am I? Or like, <laughs> like, what am I doing? But like, as I'm looking back on my work, I see like a cohesive body, and I'm like, mm. oh, that's me. And then I like think about it afterwards. 
maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like introspection and like reflection is really important. Like if you like look back on your work and you write about it, it makes you feel more like you understand it more and it feels more complete and yeah. intentional. It's interesting because yeah. for me it was a very like outward sort of process because um, I grew up in the States and I was born in the States, but then I moved to Beijing in high school. And being like ethnically Chinese, I always kind of identify myself as like Asian American here. But then when I went back to China, I was like, I was a total foreigner as well. So I think actually being faced with that sort of confrontation of like, I have to choose, like I didn't think I had to here, but over there people who maybe weren't as exposed to diversity as um, people in the States are would always be like, so where are you from? And I'd be like, well, I was, I'm from the States, I'm American. And they'd be like, no, you're not, you're Chinese. And so mm -hmm. I would be faced with this thing where I had to like really choose what my identity was. Mm -hmm. And so I think that process, I had really always felt, felt, felt about it and I had to like kind of resolve it um, when I got here in college. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Other I think people had the same. Yeah. yeah. That's like interesting because I feel like, uh, like a lot of university students as like being like international kind of like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that topic of like having two <coughs> cultural identities but like not really knowing which one or like like how to really mix them because i'm kind of like i guess sort of the opposite mm -hmm. where um at least like culturally I'm, or, or um not culturally just like ethnicity wise i'm mexican but no one can tell that from looking at me i get like like indian or like so like middle eastern or like some people think of like uh like indonesian or filipino or like south american like everywhere but mexico mm -hmm. basically and um, growing up, like, I kind of had this stigma of, like, fearing people finding out that, like, I was Mex Mexican, which is where, like, I don't know, like, some people were saying, like, where they're from or, like, like what they are. And I just, like, I don't really like doing that. I just like thinking of myself as, like, I guess I'm American. Mm -hmm. I think our generation has had one of the most difficulties really answering this question because I'm pretty sure we're all, like, third cultured children. Um, I know I definitely am. I was like born in America. I'm nationally Korean, but I've been br mainly brought up in Dubai, which is where like everybody comes from somewhere else. So like I think mm -hmm. it was there that I really realized that like my identity, like from where I'm from, doesn't really matter that much to me anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like figuring out because I feel like so many people like rely on where they're from to define who they are. But how much does that actually mean to who you really are? Like I think that that's something that people sometimes confuse, like, I'm Korean, therefore that's my identity. But in reality, your identity has sometimes has nothing to do with where you come from. So... Mm. Well, um, for instance, um, I sort of started saying where I'm from in this circle, which I guess it was early enough, so yeah. it could have happened <laughs> naturally or however it was supposed mm -hmm. to go, but I kind of made a conscious decision because um, I actually went to a school where it was sort of, like, predominantly... American and I sort of easily picked up or like lost my accent which I didn't have as much of even earlier and I sort of you know lived in Newport for quite a long time and when I came to college I started introducing myself as like I lived in Newport Rhode Island I you know I'm from around mm -hmm. and it made sense because I sort of knew Providence I came to Providence a lot and then I think something that I'm working with is like I actually and most of my friends are not like Russian speaking, not necessarily international or like come from the same culture. But I sort of, as the time went by, I rediscovered that identity. And I think it's 
you know, it's kind of an interesting exploration to me, which hasn't ended. And I think that it is no matter what, no matter what people I'm around or um, what things I do, whether my work is reflecting it or not, I think I sort of made a conscious decision and I think there is room to make that conscious decision or make a conscious decision to not do that or to not sort of identify yourself with a certain ethnicity or nationality, but I've I've come kind of towards the point where I think I'm exploring it and that's something on my mind currently and that's something that I identify myself with, um, perhaps to a larger degree, even though I'm not seeking out sort of like same-minded people. I kind of take it as something that is present in my interactions. So kind of like as like I, I guess like globalization as like a general concept is like becoming more common that like wherever you're from I mean like people are from like several different places mm-hmm. isn't like even though like throughout history it's been like for for people it has been valuable in their like self-conception it's like becoming less important and I guess that was reminding me of like I don't know things like parents say of like um uh like the like the company that you keep as a reflection of yourself mm-hmm. and like how how people tell you what they think of you um I don't know like if like anyone has like thoughts about that it's just kind of like an idea like for me where I'm from makes a big difference I like grew up in Jordan and I came to the U.S. for college and I was like hey cool I can like let go of all the culture and stuff that I've been brought up with and learn like meet people from all over the world and like see how Americans live and everything but so I like stepped away from my culture for a bit consciously and then unconsciously it kept popping up in my art over and over and over again mm-hmm. and in my architecture I would keep going back mm-hmm. so eventually I like realized that I need to like embrace it kind of and consciously let it, in, like, let it interfere with my work and I guess like I see myself as my I see my work as a reflection of myself kind of. Yeah, I think there's an important distinction to be made between what you are and where you choose to be. And I think that shift takes place as you get older. So, um, I don't know, this is, I don't really have a glamorous global background at all. <laughs> so I can't really speak to that in any way. And I've never felt the need to let go of culture or distance myself from it. And I've never felt the need to identify with it strongly because where I come from is neutral, I feel, fairly neutral. Um, but I think that when you get older, what becomes important is the fact that you align yourself with a place and you say, this is where I'm from and I chose to be here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I chose to be here reflects important qualities about me. Like I feel that way um, about where I come from, which didn't happen until I left, which is strange. So yeah, I, I didn't realize that I sort of identified so strongly with Seattle and the Pacific Northwest until I was here. and sort of felt all these changes um, and really I feel like understanding me is understanding where I literally come from like location wise mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting mm-hmm. yeah I feel like um, well I'm American also and also don't have a glamorous background so I'd never really like confronted the fact that I'm from America mm-hmm. until 
I was somewhere else, mm -hmm. and I had to sort of like speak from the American experience there, yeah. and that was like so weird for me because I've been in America my whole life essentially, mm -hmm. and it like didn't. I can't really say that I've. I have the same struggles as like an international student, but like it gave me a glimpse into like that kind of dual identity, mm -hmm. I suppose. But where were you? I was in Beijing. Me yeah. too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the one place I've lived where I had to like speak about American experience and be like, oh, I think well, we probably no, had a relief. There's no yeah. Americans there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I never thought of myself as something. I like, think it's oh. also a matter of perception as well because for like. An American saying that you don't have a glamorous background is <laughs> like when you go to the Middle East, a glamorous background is being from like this technologically advanced mm -hmm. like, hip place mm -hmm. in yeah. America. Yeah. So that's, even, that's a good point. Even in like the international yeah. school in Beijing, it was like, even though like we all, people who grew up there who are not like ethnically Chinese, they would like love Beijing, but there was this entire stigma in the school that you had to be more white or more European or more American to be like cool or seen as like more civilized. And I think um, one question I've been asking recently is like, what does it like really mean to be American? For like, I think people who uh, are of white descent, they like, you know, obviously you guys are not just like white, it's like, from diff many different European countries, but because you guys are white and that has been somehow like accepted as the default race of what the American is, like it's okay for it to be called like the neutral, what is neutral, and it's okay to be like, I don't have to identify myself with a place necessarily, but for someone who can't uh, erase their, like how they look and where they're from, like I, for me, sometimes when I see a Chinese American and they don't speak a word of Chinese or they don't like like where they're from, I get kind of offended and I get really pissed off. I'm like, you should at least like try. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. again, like maybe it's the same if they feel American. It's the same, if, you know, if they're any other white person. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a good point, um, and I think that's interesting too because what I am most is German, mm -hmm. but I have, feel no connection to that, yeah. even though it's like fairly recent in my bloodline. Like my grandmother came from Germany, mm -hmm. so it's not that many generations back. But I don't speak German. I've never been to Germany. I don't mm -hmm. feel German. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very weird, but I think that's super valid. That's very interesting because um, <coughs> I know I, I sort of associate myself as being Indian, but I was actually born in New York, so I'm a citizen of the United States. But I haven't lived here at all, and I've like I've literally grown up in India and spent the entire like first half of my life so far until I came to college there. So I associate myself as an Indian and even my nationality as an Indian. And when someone asks me, like, where are you from or, like, what do you associate with being Indian is, like, a huge part of my identity. But <coughs> adding to what Sama said earlier, now, since I've been in college here for four years, every time I go back to India, everyone says that, oh, the American has come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now suddenly, like, here I'm Indian, but when I go back to the country that I associate as my own country, now they think that I'm like, I've become American and like westernized mm -hmm. because I've gone to college here for four years. Uh -huh. So yeah. do you guys like actually, do, when you guys define who you are as a person, do you rely more on where you come from or what, like your traits as a person? I think they like feed into each other and I think like they're also different parts of like who, what makes you up. I think it's hard to choose between like one or the other and I think definitely 
one can be more introspective than the other as well. Mm. I mean, we don't it's really need to define ourselves on a daily basis. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. only on occasion. And recently, I've been trying to write a personal <coughs> statement for like this application and like mm-hmm. thinking about who I am. I feel like mostly <laughs> it like, comes down to what your motives are, in a way. And your background like inevitably, inevitably builds like who you are at the moment because all the things you've gone through all the people you've met kind of shape you in a way. Mm-hmm. I also think location is easy or nationality is easy because mm-hmm. people understand that instantly as an idea and it like puts out sort of half the picture very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think being at such a national, international school does that as well. Like you want to know that right away. Um, but I don't think it's like a huge part of who you are ultimately until like later in life maybe when it's more of a choice because like we're still like in the phase of life where where we're from Mm -hmm. and where we live is determined by someone else so yeah yeah, i don't know i think that's like a thing you have to discover Mm -hmm. later which sounds like a (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's interesting it's funny too everyone just went around and like so the department which is like the obvious thing Uh, anywhere you go Mm -hmm. it's like i'm a student at this place and i go to this department and it's sort of just like, this is the one like most basic choice that I've made that I'm like telling you guys about. And then like people maybe start to form assumptions on you based on that choice. Like, like oh, graphic design, that makes so much sense. Like that sort of thing. Or like, even just like, I have conversations with people about just like architects of majors. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense that she would be in painting or something. So it's like based on how they dress and like the kind of work they've like produced in foundations. I think also in the context of this discussion, it made sense because we all are RISD students mm-hmm. and we all know each other perhaps or like have seen each other mm-hmm. but might not realize what major were we in mm-hmm. so I think it like the place where we're having the conversation defines it mm-hmm. and also the topic defines it so I think it was interesting to bring up where we are from and it was it would probably inevitably come up in conversations even though I think if you if you are conscious um, if you're making a conscious choice I think it totally should be a conscious choice and mm-hmm. you were talking about the application I was sort of curious what would it be like to like if you, could you ever write an application or like um something similar to that and not mention where you're from like is Actually, it possible no, I don't the think... first question is like what race are you and then you have to scroll all the way down and there's white or middle eastern <laughs> yeah I didn't know what to do like when I first came to RISD as a freshman like the whole idea of race was totally foreign to me And so the next part that I want to bring up is like, how do you think others perceive you and how does that change depending on the context of where you are? Well, I always, whenever I first meet someone, I always apologize because I feel like I'm so awkward. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so awkward. And everyone's always like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You're not awkward in the slightest. And I'm just like, it's so strange for me because I perceive myself as being awkward because my, I have like, I don't want to say I have social anxiety, but I think that I do and I go over the actions I take in my head mm-hmm. all the time. And while I'm doing that, I think like, oh my God, I'm being awkward. And then the other person just doesn't see it at all. Yeah. And that's always the sort of like barrier I hit where I'm like, like what am I doing? Like, who am I? And like, what, how am I perceiving myself? And that's always an interesting thing that happens. I'm not sure how I perceive myself. I was filmed like talking about my thesis two weeks ago for like the thesis probe 
and I was watching myself and I'm like, my voice doesn't sound yeah. familiar. <laughs> and I move my hands around a lot. I don't know why I'm yelling the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I did that. So. I think gender is really an interesting thing because people, that's pretty much the first thing people see when yeah. they see you or approach you. And like the way someone approaches you is different based on your gender. And that's not something I think about as like a female. Like I don't go out into the world like I am a woman. Like it's <laughs> not something I actively <laughs> do, but I can't help but like also be aware on a daily basis of like mm. that's how people are viewing me first. Yeah, I I feel like for me I keep going back to like ethnicity, but mm-hmm. um, for me like especially in the states I feel like when people perceive me on a first glance it's always like oh generic Asian girl, like and it's like I'm so scared of that label. It, it, but it, it, I yeah. feel like it happens so often and mm-hmm. like it's become something that I've had to come to terms with and just be like okay if they want to think that they can think that but mm-hmm. hopefully I can like break that stereotype. But then when I go back to China it's like people are like oh like, spoiled American girl, and it's like, mm. I can't satisfy anyone, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it really, I think it really does consciously, for me, at least, it's consciously, um, affected the way I behave, and, like, the way I've, like, wanted to perceive myself, and therefore, the places where I've gone to search for my identity. Mm-hmm. What, <clears throat> going back to the video that you were talking about by Fandi, um, so, I don't know how many people have watched the video, the TED Talk, but she's an actress and she talks a lot about her struggles of like being herself and uh, the reason why she got so into acting was because she was able to be other people and she found it so much easier to be other people than herself because she doesn't know who she is. So I'm just like wondering, like, I know personally for me, like, I know what I like but I don't know if that defines who I am and then I know like how I react to something but again I don't know how other per- others perceive that and so sometimes it's like how much do I know of like who I am in terms of my exterior and like how easy is it for me to be the person that I want to be and I think those are like some of the struggles just like I, don't, I guess it's really <coughs> abstract um, to me personally I've never really thought about who I was like at first a place um, because before everything comes from external recognition, especially when I was in China, everything was so competitive, like all the time. Like you just have to do what you need to do, what other people tell you to do. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. identify yourself with anything besides that. That's when, like, when I first like uh, mm-hmm. came to study abroad, like that becomes a huge sort of identity crisis for me. It's like, what do I want to do? What do I want to become? I'm this mm-hmm. like other person in this like, whole new country, and. Like first it was Canada, later like Denmark, Italy, and everywhere I've been to. Like it's like, I I couldn't really d- define myself with any places anymore. It's like, like it feels like, I always say I'm from China because that's like easy thing to say and it's just mm-hmm. like easy label that. But at the same time, those kind of easy labels sort of like give you like stereotyping, like all the time. Like people like instantly decide, okay, mm-hmm. you're just like one of those, mm-hmm. those kinds, like, or whatever, and that becomes even more like a identity crisis, like, um, issue for me, and I decided actually to become an artist at first place just because I was in this whole, like, a trouble of identifying myself with anything at that time, so I just want to be liberated, and, but later on just become the hot mess and stuff but, you know, it, it's just like totally totally like a, a challenge like at your like early 
not or just early 20s not like a late like maybe 19 or 18 and it's just like really really hard and because everything's so external and you start to like lose what's internal and although you feel like you're in search for yourself but it keeps like sort of grapple upon what other people's been telling you it's like this is right this is cool and this is like awesome and this is whatever and that's how you sort of yeah it's like one of the most dangerous things when you don't know who you are like influence mm-hmm. that people can have on you mm-hmm. yeah i think that's like what she was talking about a lot with um the idea of like oneness and like being mindful of yourself and like listening to your inner self and all that like she talked a lot about like how she was a dancer and I come from like a dancing background and also I think art all of us like really connect to like the whole art process and like being so involved in this thing you're making or this thing you're doing that you kind of lose yourself Mm -hmm. so it's like a weird paradox of like finding yourself through losing yourself but also being mindful of the fact that that's something that like Mm -hmm. you love doing and like staying in tune with that. Um, yeah, so what like you and uh, what my and Scarlett were saying was kind of reminding me about uh, what you mentioned early on. Like I actually like I have like social anxiety, and like it was really really bad when I was younger, I, which is like I don't know a big like personality formation and like mm-hmm. hanging out like with your peers, which is like something I never did before I came here. So like now that I'm here and I'm like becoming more comfortable in like my like life as like a designer. Um, I still find myself being like somewhat fragmented in how I present myself because with when I'm with my family I'm like pretty much that like quiet like girl that's like always reading and then when I'm in like like studio like I get like I can talk talk about this but then when I'm with like non like art school people it's like I don't want to just be like speaking like some other language that like they don't even really care about so it's like kind of hard to to feel like I'm being like truly like authentic in like mm-hmm. each of those situations. Yeah, the idea of different selves for different situations yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Like even in different classrooms, I'm a different person mm-hmm. depending on the mood of the room or whatever. And I feel like from a young age I'm always you're always told like you are this beautiful unique snowflake and you have to like <laughs> be your own person and like yeah, find yourself and like perceive yourself and be yourself and I was always like well what does that mean like (laughs) what do you mean be myself am I not being myself Mm -hmm. by like just being alive like what's the difference and um Mm -hmm. when you think about it long enough it's like you don't exist like (laughs) like you are just a being and you're just doing things and like your yourself doesn't exist you just like are does that make sense yeah (laughs) it's that whole like it's an adaptation we do like evolutionarily like in order to survive it's like we have to fit in in some way and Mm -hmm. that really and the it's like definitely conflicting ideas of the fact that like like yeah you're a beautiful snowflake but also like the only way you're gonna like I don't know your like, genes are gonna pass on is to like fit in and like right. make babies, you know? It's yeah, like, like, the <laughs> snowflakes, like the other snowflakes will like you better if you look a little yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other thing too that's kind of scary that that I think is so true is that you become a different person not just based on scenarios but based on people. Yeah. Like absolutely. I am a different person for my twin sister than I am for some whoever, like a, a stranger. Or even, like, less of a gap than that. It's, like, two people in studio. I, yeah, I can feel mm-hmm. myself being, like, 
di- like slightly different in my manner toward them, which is strange. Yeah. And that does lead to very like ex- existential big questions of like, what does it even mean? Like, if I was in a vacuum, would I be like, what? Um, yeah, it's strange. And the other thing that I think is strange is sort of this distance I feel between my outward aesthetic self and my like intangible sort of personality. So I think there's this whole issue of like how you do like your appearance, like what what clothes you wear and like just what you look like, which mm-hmm. seems shallow, but it's like it's a huge deal. Yeah. And I think even at art school where your clothes can align you with your major or separate mm-hmm. you from them, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes even more of an issue. Um, I don't know. I think also like we as art students are trained to analyze visual things yeah. on such yeah. like a daily mm-hmm. minute by minute basis, basis that like we can't help but like look at somebody and immediately like try and like figure out what like their clothes yeah. mean or like <laughs> what color shade <laughs> lipstick they're wearing. Like it's all like so, we're all like so programmed into thinking. Mm-hmm. Way mm. more than most people, I think. I think finals mm. week kind of shows you who everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder sometimes if that's like, if that's necessarily bad. But you guys were both talking about how like we present ourselves differently to different people in different yeah. classrooms. I think that's like kind of fascinating and amazing thing that people as like evolved yeah. beings yeah. are capable of. Yeah. And sometimes Absolutely. I like. And I, I haven't watched the talk, and I kind of wish I did, but I wonder if that's something she was talking about in terms of being an actor. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's fun to kind of, like, put on a different... From, like, things as shallow as, like, your clothing mm-hmm. on one day, I think it's it can be really fun to wear yeah. something and then completely change your style or completely change your, sort of, like, your overall image. And mm-hmm. that, I think, yeah. can happen with behavior, too. I think it works, yeah. for sure. And I think the positive way to look at that is that you are a multitude of selves and they're all you and you're just that complex. But I think that like at the same time although that like everyone's kind of a chameleon like your thought process like internally it's what like defines for me at least that's what defines me more than anything else Mm -hmm. like obviously I will behave differently in front of my boyfriend than I do in front of a professor Mm -hmm. but it's the fact that like the way I think through things and the way I am changing because in those situations that's what makes me me because there are definitely people mm-hmm. out there who might not even care like they'll yeah. be the same person but that's it's their internal thought process that they don't want to do that that makes yeah. them like special so maybe like for me I guess maybe it's not a question of like this is one identity and this is another it's like this is the identity and it's like just people are seeing different facets of it mm-hmm. and we talk a lot about like as our students, we talk a lot about in different classes or in conversations with each other. I feel like we do talk about the style and whether you should be like sticking to a certain style or kind of let it like evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think there are totally different ways. And some people have the style and they like to do certain things and they enjoy it and they kind of stick to it. And there are people who would go in like completely different directions. And mm-hmm. I think maybe with the with the identity, like it sort of becomes also a natural pace for each person of what is the point when they come to that point or whether they come to that at all. And I think some people enjoy finding finding kind of their identity early mm-hmm. on and some don't. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's like, interesting and fine. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting. Like, 
people start to have like an aesthetic identity just through their work alone and like there's so many different reactions to that like people like will be like oh that's so like this person and then they'll be like they'll take it as a compliment or they'll get frustrated and I've also encountered friends who like are panicky because they don't feel like they have like a style or they haven't reached like a distinctive like visual like I don't know habits or something like that so it's also funny that they feel like they have to like really quickly like identify themselves with like a style just because they're like in like design or something like but that. But I also feel yeah. like because there's in the design world it's kind of like that's what makes you marketable and that's mm -hmm. what makes you like you know desirable. But only at a certain point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you enter the field <laughs> you have to be a chameleon. I struggle with this a lot because I am one of those people that like has issues about feeling like I don't have a style mm -hmm. or like a voice style. that's consistent yeah. or like an approach that is identifiable as me but I feel like the industry tells you when you're young and you're entering graphic design at least I think a lot of art is different than this but you have to be sort of this invisible hand and like this knowledgeable mm -hmm. yes. thing that's quiet and then when you get somehow when you <laughs> make it up there, then, then you're marketable for your yeah. unique voice. Um, I struggle with that so much. <laughs> it's I a mean, conundrum. I cut my bangs over the summer, and I don't want to even tell you how many people compared me to Jessica Walsh. So, when do you guys feel that you lose your sense of self? That was something I was thinking about earlier, because when I watched the, that video, that was like such an interesting thought that she had, because um, when I was young, whenever I would draw, I would totally do that sort of like, be the third person, like I was a ghost above my head, mm -hmm. just like watching myself draw, and the, the, none of the rest of the world existed, and I totally think that's why I've ended up at art school, because the only time when I felt like it didn't matter what else was in this world was when I was doing art. And it's so funny, you were saying like that sort of loss of self is what defines the self and like what you like to do. And it's when you're not yourself or it doesn't matter. In a lot of ways, like <clears throat> that's something I think about a lot, like going back to whole like when the idea of oneness, it's sometimes like finding yourself is like so um, important for your development, but at the same time, I feel like sometimes finding yourself also leads you to separate yourself from other people and create a lot of divides and prejudices. And in the context of oneness, I feel like that vision gets lost about how we are all similar and we're all like this, yeah. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the world as we're understanding it right now is like, a huge compilation of like all our past experiences like it's all like getting processed through our eyes and like this is the world like I'm sitting here right now like I don't know if it, okay I don't know what he says but like the way we draw to you is like we are looking at something and like we're processing it through all these past experiences and like this is a piece of bread because I know what bread is you know um so when you draw it's like almost that purest realization of the world around you but at the same time it's like you're losing yeah. who you are but it's at the same time the purest form of like who you are because you're drawing it mm. if that's making any sense yeah it's your observation of a thing 
it's your observation, but at the same time, like, you're doing it to view the world and, like, to understand yourself, mm. which is where I, like, why I like doing it. Maybe style. That makes me think of style as an interesting filter. Like, it's the evidence of input. It's the evidence that you were the middleman between the mm. world and the paper, which is maybe why it's important. Oh, it makes me want style more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> what other things apart from drawing? I mean, we're all in art school, so we yeah. all yeah. <laughs> started off with that one common thread, which is very interesting. But now that that's what we kind of do in like many, many different ways, which is like make things creatively. What else now? Sports. <coughs> um, or no sports. Or no sports. <laughs> I play tennis, and it's sort of the same thing. Like, it becomes muscle memory after you've done it enough, and it's less about, like, oh, I've got to get this ball back. And, like, you're not thinking about it. You're just doing, and you're, you're like, performing. It's sort of like the dance or, like, an acting, but you're just kind of going through the motions, and you don't have to think about anything. And I feel like a lot of movement is about that sort of same thing. You dance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to say reading as well. Yeah. <laughs> Always lose myself in books, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because, like, uh, I'm, like, the same way, and it's kind of, like, like similar to how the, the TED Talk woman is talking about acting because it's, like, you can lose yourself in a story or a character mm -hmm. and, like what, like, what this author has created. And I feel like with the, like, sort of, like, muscle memory thing, kind of, like, after you've, like, gotten to that point in, like, proficiency of, like, whatever skill or, like, activity, if you start thinking about it too much, then you, like, you mess up or, like, you become awkward. And mm -hmm. so maybe, like, in, like, self-conception, you're like, okay, well, who are you? And then you're like, wait, I, like, <laughs> like, it's like, stop, okay, yes, <laughs> I, like, I was being myself, but now I have to kind of, like, nail down what that was. It's interesting mm. that, like, how, like, I feel like when you read a really good book and you do lose yourself in that book, you feel so exhilarated, right? Like, it's this incredible feeling. I just went through this whole journey, mm. and I was, like, a part of it, but, like, so I didn't have to focus on anything else. And I think in that same way, losing yourself can be such a relief sometimes. Like, you just feel all this baggage just unloaded, which is, like, have you guys seen the TED Talk by uh, Jill Boyle? Um, stroke yeah. of insight when she had a stroke. Oh, so good. The, uh, yeah, the that was very <laughs> <laughs> um, So when she had the stroke, she basically reverted back to her infant self, and but she was kind of aware of it at the same time when she was having the stroke. But it was basically like forty years of baggage just gone, and she had this incredible feeling of euphoria and ecstasy that happens like when you're an infant because you have no worries, you have no past experience to dwell upon, mm. and like. I don't know, like, that, like for instance, I meditate sometimes, and when I meditate, like, when I come out of that, I just feel so good, because it wasn't about myself, it was about everything around me, and the individuals, and the beings, and, like, the different, like, vibrations going on. Mm. And that talk, too, she, like, the part of her brain that was, like, having, or the stroke was centered or something, it, like, she completely lost sense of her body, mm. which I think is pretty interesting, because we think about our, like, our brains and our bodies kind of as one, but like they're also separate. Like there are two different things, but they're in the same place. Like, and with meditation, you do that too. It's like um, you let go of like all the like thoughts that are like kind of keeping you preoccupied, and like you're more in tune kind of with your body and the like grounded. 
sense of self. Mm-hmm. I also think that is true without sort of the effort of meditation when you're alone, which is why I think alone. I'm an introvert, so I need a lot of alone time, and I love being alone because it's just unselfconscious. There's no performance element, mm-hmm. and I think this sounds it sounds maybe strange, but I feel like. The truest self is the unselfconscious self when you're just acting and you're mm-hmm. not like having this weird like metacognition moment about like what is all of this like what is sort of this like taking on of like a costume or a mm-hmm. or a character that I'm doing when it's just you by yourself and I mean of course the 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 paradox of that is that there's no one to witness it so mm-hmm. no one can help you define it I think that's, like, everything to do, I mean, has a lot to do with the whole mindfulness, like, mm-hmm. perspective, and just, like, like when you're amongst a bunch of people, like, being mindful of yourself and, like, staying in tune and in touch with that without feeling self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard thing, and, like, that's why old people are so much more yeah. talking, because, like, they've had a lot of practice doing it. <laughs> Another thing I think is interesting is, um, I can't remember why I thought of this, but, um, like, the self as a conditioned response to the world. So, like, you don't become female until you encounter a situation where you have to define yourself as female, Mm -hmm. and, like, you don't become Indian until you encounter a situation Mm -hmm. where you have to be Indian. And, like, when you define yourself, it is that sort of, like, I'm myself because I'm in response to the world. And when you're by yourself, you don't have to do any of that. And Mm. yeah, so you don't have to respond to anything but like the internal workings of yourself, which is why that like being alone is so interesting. It's like, I do like, while I'm doing my dishes, I like sing songs and I live alone (laughs) and I don't care. I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna sing Robin right now. (laughs) No one's here to care about it. That's so true, though, because I, I'm biracial, I'm half Chinese, half white, and I didn't, I remember I never thought about it as a thing until I was, like, forced to go to this Chinese, like, language school on Saturday, on Sundays after Chinese church, and, like, all the people who were in my class were Chinese, and they would look at me and my cousins and be like, you're not, you're not Chinese. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just look a little more white than you. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, yeah, the reflection of other people's thoughts of what you think. Mm. Very true. I think that like, um, it's, I think there was a point mentioned earlier about other people now. And I think that like mindfulness is important, but I think also like just observing, like really observing other people really can give a lot of reflection of like how you work as well. And I think that sometimes, especially like in this day and age, there's so much emphasis on individuality and so much emphasis on like, what am I, like, what am I, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? But mm-hmm. there's not enough sometimes of like, what is that person? And like, who am I talking to? What are they feeling? And sometimes I find that can give a lot of clue on like, you know, how you might react, oh, sorry, <laughs> how you, <laughs> like, how you might react to situations, so, I don't know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, I don't know. The whole idea of empathy exactly. is really interesting, too, like, and connecting that to, like, the literature, like, the book stuff, it's like, I read some study recently about how, 
we learn empathy through like pop culture and like reading books and saying oh I felt that before like and this is how this person's feeling mm -hmm. and like I can make this connection to like another person so it's all like connected we're all connected <laughs> I think it'd be a very different world if people mindfully went through a day even just a day trying to disappear and thinking about other people first because I feel like so much of the world is driven and like roiled up by people like selfish selfishly acting as individuals and being like of course I'm most important <laughs> and I, I mean I think people unintentionally do that as well like we're like trained and wired to prioritize ourselves but I think it'd be totally different like it might be I'm not sure if it would be good I feel like it would be good, but maybe it'd be too passive. I've never thought about this before, but like, what would the world be like? It's like, interesting, because I think a lot of it, like, is also very cultural. Like, I was mm -hmm. reading this book, it was, um, like, Quiet, the Power of Introverts. Oh, and I was talking about, like, <laughs> oh, <it's> so <laughs> yeah. Everybody read it who's listening. <laughs> yeah, but it was, like, talking, there's a whole chapter just, like, dedicated to more, like, Asian cultures and Western, and then her case studies with um, students at Harvard Business School, where everyone's really promoted to be very aggressive and very mm -hmm. like you know just promoting yourself and your ideas as um, as you know just as hard as you can and she just talks about how like when she talked to certain like Asian students or Asian American students they said they had like a harder time with that mentality because their mm -hmm. culture is all very much about like you show deference to your elders you think of like the community and they try to like de-emphasize the self a lot more mm -hmm. uh, which is something I noticed too like just um, with like people who are Asian American, like the way they behave in a classroom setting, it's like usually a little bit more like toned down. So yeah, it's but interesting. it's interesting to think of like identity not just pertaining to the self. That mm -hmm. in those Asian cultures, it's like a very flexible system. So mm -hmm. like for me, it's more of like my family is my identity, and like in the Western culture, it's kind of become like your identity has to be like the individual, but it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm taking the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, in a lot of Eastern cultures, the identity is basically the family or the lineage that you come from or the kind of cultural values you have. Like, often my mother will be like, oh, this is not our value system. Like, you, you have to be true to yourself. <laughs> but I'm being true to myself. I'm, I just, like, don't agree with this particular value that you're imposing on me. <laughs> that's another thing that's really funny is um, I always hear my mom and my sister arguing, and my mom's like, this is how, isn't how I raised you. And my sister's like, yeah, it is. Here I am. Like, <laughs> look at me. Like, I'm saying this stuff to you. And it's like, it's funny that, like, you're not being you, like, from the mom's mm. perspective on the child. Like, but yeah. I am being me. I'm, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this is not how we do it. Like, it's yeah. just not acceptable. But why? I mean, it's like, this is what you got. Like, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys ever feel like you are... Like you realize more and more that your your parents' reflection. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that probably is like the biggest realization I've had in my like early twenties. Just like holy crap! Like oh no! Like, I am oh, them. No. Yeah. Like, darn. I don't think so. Like I feel like <laughs> one person. I, I did everything to not be. It's like I w I would curate it. Like I would I would decide what I wanted to wanted to be and then I would just do my my own thing but I think it's just interesting that like for me like I definitely some parts I just I can't agree with them mm -hmm. but then it's just like like biologically if we're the same it's like 
they could be the same as me if they were in my place. It's just like I'm working with the same mind as they have, but reacting mm -hmm. into different environments. Yeah. So it's interesting to say, see maybe like I am the same person as my mom, but I am her if she were to grow up in my place. Mm -hmm. But also it's interesting to like, going back to that, like the choice and the curation yeah, that you, you go through. And I think yeah, it's, it's really self. interesting and like you do realize those things and you kind of work off of them and they influence you and like, kind of like put you in put you in the situation where you have to you don't have to you kind of choose to decide one or another way and that's I think that's that's interesting and fine that we can do that as human beings and sort of like take on different identities and kind of acknowledge what is in us through the this biological heritage but also be able to modify it I think that's it's very interesting in terms of like this multiplicity of selves, which is of course, of course, your parents are like there in you as like a huge part of like both them bringing you up, and also like biologically you're related. Of yeah. course, you're gonna do have like same, same things, same mannerisms, same behavior, same opinions and certain things, but also different opinions and different things. I also think that's another aspect of us that's subject to growing up. Mm -hmm. Which I, I I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record, but I know when I was younger, I, oh, I couldn't bear it. My parents irritated me to no end. But I'm to the point now where I value them so much as people that I like it when I see them in me. And I'm like, oh, I can carry on this trait. Like, this is great. That's an awesome <laughs> trait from my mom. Like, thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, that is all I have. <laughs> I just that's, think it's interesting. That's really interesting because I, like, kind of have the opposite oh, really? it, like in a way where like when I was growing up I was like um I don't know I think like maybe like it kind of had to do with how I was raised like sort of like very like religiously mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like that like the parents like have like a lot of like respect for them and like no back talking and like um I feel like like I took that more like to heart than my siblings did so they were like a lot more like um like rambunctious, rambunctious than I was but now I'm like I'm learning more of like, like how to be my own self. And um, I think, I guess I was also thinking about like, in like the context of graphic design at least in our classes with like, I don't know, just like people talking about their degree project and like um, the teacher saying like, it's all about you, like mm -hmm. what you want to do. And <laughs> like recently <laughs> I'm like, I, like I have like a couple of teachers who are like really into film, which is like a huge, like collabor collaborative project and that like I worked with like Sukeshi on our film and like it's so different working with people instead of just having like one mind and so mm -hmm. I feel like I'm learning the value at least like in the context context of my work that like mm. I might have like a cool self that can be appreciated by people but I don't know like we can like mix and combine with like the people that we're working with to create like even cooler things i think religion is a huge thing like i don't i don't know if any because i'm personally i'm not religious at all and my like family it's because that wasn't in any sort of like no one ever brought it up but then like friends of mine when they've grown up in a religious family like it was never their choice and it was like imposed on them and it's become like a habit and routine of theirs so I don't know, like, other people's experiences that mm. I'm interested in. Mm. Yeah. Well, mine was, like, I, it, 
wasn't, I don't want to say it was, like, forced upon us, but, it, like, I mean, I, I feel like it, it kind of is just, like, by nature, not, like, um, uh, like, malicious, like, indoctrination, but, like, that's just, like, how it is, like, if, like, if you bring up your children within, like, a certain ideology, it's, like, bound to happen, so, and mm -hmm. I embraced it when I was younger, and, um, I, like, I realized it was, like, holding me back in a lot of ways, and so then I, like, left it behind, which was, like, really interesting because it was such a huge part of how I conceived myself, mm -hmm. uh, like, in my mind. So when I left that all behind, I felt like I had to start over, like, pretty much, like, from ground zero. Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, I think that's, like, a really interesting effect that parents can have. Or, like, yeah, the passing down of ideologies and, like, morals and stuff. Like, yeah. for me, like, realizing, yeah, some things from my parents, like, had a lot to do with, like, just sitting down and, like, my dad, like, saying, like, oh, like, look at this, uh, like, that, I think, gives you a strong sense of, like, who you are as a person, and if it's from religion or just, like, talking, like, I'm also thinking, <coughs> thinking about gender roles and expectations from family on girls specifically, like, mm -hmm. when I was young, like, my mom always say, you have to behave in certain ways and stuff, like, to be, like, a decent kind of lady, mm -hmm. like, whatever, which I definitely didn't really become eventually <laughs> the public I became like a quite like a righteous kind of like a kid eventually but yeah just like uh seems really interesting and um but at the same time like you're able to be your true self and feeling really uh liberated at family and they kind of accept that but they're like if you're outside of this family like you need to behave like in front of you know other seniors in the family and you know just say hi and be polite all the time and that feels like that's almost like your identity is um, strongly associated with the image of your family outside the family and they have tolerance of who you are and what you are actually like when you're like you know inside like uh, and I don't know I feel like that's kind of just interesting and you know they care more about the external how the image is perceived by other people rather than like and then at the same time they want to give up give out enough freedom and space for you to be who you really are and I wanted to kind of step back a little bit um, and we, we you talked about like the degree projects and like the selfness within that and it, it's kind of like a continuing um, thread within my class discussions or um, looking at other people's work and I kind of I'm kind of curious whether once again like besides take besides exploring your self identity within your work is it um, could you sort of like take on a different identity within your work and could you explore something very different mm. is it almost mm. ethical to do that is is it appropriate how like I wonder if people had experiences with that sort of like exploring a very different thing than yourself within the work and kind of like digging in and becoming almost an expert on that within the work hmm. and how that was like perceived by even, you know, your peers and professors and how you felt about it. I think we all go through that to a certain point because especially in school you're developing your work or just mm -hmm. the, the way you do certain things that that kind of transformation is almost inevitable like as you grow like the way you do something today is probably going to be really different 10 years down the line 
or even like you might grow in a class so the way you approach like a certain assignment the first mm-hmm. assignment might be very different from like the last assignment that you do might totally have like it might literally be schizophrenic in that every uh, every assignment that you do has like its own thing i think it mm-hmm. it totally depends on on the person and and the way they're channeling like their personal growth Me as a reaction to the assignment yeah like in graphic design i feel like it's one of the career paths where you always take on somebody else's identity because mm-hmm. usually when you you're doing it for somebody else or like talking to somebody else and it's never really about yourself mm-hmm. this is something i've thought about a bit to um, when it comes to trend like the mm-hmm. visual trends of graphic design because i feel like the sort of draw of them like oh i I want to prove that I can do work like that because that's what people like. But when, mm. at the same time, when I do it, it feels false and I mm. cannot do it. Um, mm. So I'm to the point where I think I've done enough, like in response to assignments that feels different, that I have some sense of being like, that's not what I would do. And it's like a very undeclared, intuitive, like, weird invisible line where if I'm like getting close to it I like get the sense of like I wouldn't do that this feels wrong and I will revise it somehow and I don't know the strange part about that is that it like it doesn't necessarily translate to me to a voice like a style per se but it's just like this weird like internal like bounding box um, that like I don't know maybe it's like an integrity thing I'm not sure hmm. I don't know, does anyone else have that? Am I, like, totally weird? No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge, I think that has a lot to do with what we were talking about earlier with, like, being self-conscious and, like, how kind of an easy way, like, you can, like, maneuver graphic design or, like, being a student in graphic design by just, like, kind of copying this, like, style or, like, like, being in the, like, trends, you know, like, but, like, that's why I think what you're saying is so important. Like, like, this is the time to like find ourselves or like search like start that like exploration of ourselves and, like find something that's different and like there's a lot of pressure to like conform to a certain way of like mm-hmm. process or whatever and we're told by our professors like there's a kind of a right way to like get there but like nobody really knows and we're all different but it's yeah totally I definitely relate yeah. like I feel the same it's just totally what you're comfortable with and how you want to grow like for me, I like I get the same pressure, but there's for me it's always been I, I like I've been struggling so much in graphic design because I don't like the idea of like thinking purely in forms and I don't like the idea of like I'm just gonna make that look like this because it looks good. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with up yet. <laughs> <laughs> and like I struggle with designers who are like see who have a voice and I see that they're like I feel like it's not like they're not pushing themselves, mm-hmm. especially at such a young like student age mm-hmm. and I don't know, I feel like there's so much pressure in this industry for you to find a voice and to follow (laughs) trends, uh, to get noticed at all. Mm. Yeah, I feel like following a trend is like this weird acknowledgement and declaration to the world that you have a sensitivity to what's going on in design Mm. and like Mm. you can engage it at that level. But I don't know, at the same time, it's lazy, like it's not right. And I totally agree with you. Like I have lots of issues with graphic design. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I hate to come to our previous talk, yeah. but then I hate to cut off the yeah, conversation. But sorry. we have we have to stop. Yeah. Uh, the time is up, and it's gone to graphic design again. <laughs> <laughs>
But I feel like this something we should do before we finish is reintroduce ourselves. Okay. Again? Like, how you want to be. Maybe. How much time do we have? Oh, yeah, we just introduce ourselves and then we can do the Okay. Yeah. So, I'm Brielle, and that's it. <laughs> I'm Scarlett. I'm a designer. Um, I'm Drea, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chandra. I'm Kathy. <laughs> I'm Chloe, and I'm from Seattle. <laughs> I'm Maya. I'm Sukeishi. Um, I'm Kathy Wu. And I'm a person. <laughs> I'm Polina. I'm a student um, in my fourth year. <laughs> studying, um, studying graphic design. Um, I'm from Ukraine. Uh, I'm Hayon, and I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I'm Maya, um, and I'm a student, and I hope I always will be one. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone.